Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Goals. I'm Maria Laura. And I'm Katia. And today, we're happy to contribute to our quota of diversity in our podcast, which left us with an English guy who dedicates his life to drafting the history of football around the world. Awarded with the title Sports Industry Next Gen 2016 Leader, Matthew Barrett is the co-founder of GoldClick, a global football media and a storytelling platform helping people understand one another and the world through football. He's here today to share his path into the creation of GoldClick and essentially how important it is to see football and life through other people's lenses. Matt, welcome to Two Goals. Thank you very much for having me. Well, Matt, as we mentioned, you are an Englishman. Have you had a football fever since you were young? How did your connection with football started? And maybe if you can share any anecdote from your childhood and football. Well, I, I like the idea that because I'm an Englishman, that means I automatically qualify as a football lover. There is probably some truth in that, but it's interesting. I've, I've never really heard that assumption before. So uh, it is true. Um, I was exposed to football very, very early on in my life, um, predominantly through playing. I mean, I remember playing at school, probably at the age of three or four years old. And I remember watching matches on television from about the age of five or six. Football was definitely part of my life growing up, predominantly through my father. But I guess there wasn't much of an experience of of live football attendance in my life growing up. It was definitely more on the playing side, I would say. And yeah, I, I joined teams from, I think, the age of seven years old. I was playing um, football, 11-a-side football, which probably these days is, is not what happens with seven-year-olds, but it probably shows uh, what life was like back then. There wasn't so many small-sided games. It was 11-a-side from the age of seven years old. So yeah. Lots of playing. Um, I supported uh, Tottenham Hotspur uh, from about the age of six years old. And yeah, football is just so baked into this country at a grassroots level that, yeah, it's true. I'm an English guy and I followed football since I was young. Stereotypes, right? Wrong stereotypes sometimes. We, we <laughs> they are correct, but uh, yeah, we have to, to break the stereotypes in a way. 80% of stereotypes is true. It's the final 20%, which is the problem, right? Exactly, exactly. So we're moving fast forward to your today's project. And this will all make sense when we, we, we develop the, the interview, the conversation, let's say. So now you're the co-founder of GoClick, a global football storytelling platform helping people understand one another and the world through football. This is how the project is presented to the audiences. Now we're asking you, the co-founder. So can you please present GoClick to us and tell us how is it so special? Well, you've taken the first few sentences of my response out of my mouth already. So I don't need to do that part. I think what I would say is that the most important thing about GoClick is that it is putting the power, the freedom, the control, in the hands of other people. This is a media, storytelling, journalistic project for sure, but most media is usually going into another person's life or into a community or into a team and telling that person's story. I think what makes GoldClick unique in the way that you just described it 
is that we're giving the people themselves that opportunity and that platform to tell their own story, to tell their own truth from their own perspective. It's the inside of you of life and the world. And we use football as our lens and as our common language to do that. So in real terms, what we're actually doing is we are finding people all around the world, 150 plus countries, and we're asking them to tell that story about their lives, their football communities in their own words and through predominantly photography to start with. So we begin by giving people disposable analog cameras, 27 shots on a roll of film, very old school, and then telling their story in their own words alongside those photos. So most of what you see in the project is photography and written word, although We've done a lot of exhibitions, we're moving into audio and spoken word and video. So it ultimately though all comes back to that first person perspective, which I think is what is really important about Gold Click. And I'm sure we'll come on to this, but we cover the full breadth of the world from the most marginalized communities up through grassroots and all the way into the elites. Um, so yeah, it, it really is explaining the world and helping people understand one another through football. You mentioned the disposable analog cameras, and this is really, I mean, crucial in terms of we are living in this crazy industrial, fourth industrial revolution full of technology. So first, if you can develop why, why using analog cameras, why tell, taking this to nostalgia times kind of like in this sense. And, and at the same time, from your perspective and all the things that you have accomplished with GoldClick, What are those ingredients that are key to find and to develop a great story around football? Two great and big questions. So first of all, I'm not going to lie to you. There's an element of it was a crazy idea that has snowballed into something a lot bigger. <laughs> so when we first came up with this idea, obviously Gold Click wasn't as fully thought out as it is now. You know, we did start with a fun idea of wouldn't it be interesting to see the perspective of football fans and players around the world using a disposable camera. We're not analog zealots, but we really see the value of starting everyone's journey with a disposable analog camera. There's three main reasons for that why we still do it. First of all, equality. So everyone being equal with the same tool whether you're in the United States or whether you're in Sierra Leone, you begin with the same equal tool to tell your story. And that wouldn't be the case with digital technology. The second reason, which is probably the most important reason for me, is the intentionality and the deliberate nature of what people show. I think that the scarcity of having only 27 photos on a roll of film compared to the thousands of photos you could take on a phone, I think it focuses the mind and actually makes people think a bit harder about what they want to show and probably then improves the quality and the meaning of each photo when, yeah, you have a limit and you're a bit more patient, you're a bit more thoughtful and a bit more intentional with what you do. And then the third reason is I guess that pure aesthetic feeling of the photos. You mentioned there's an element of nostalgia, certainly the, the look and feel and the graininess of those photos are, are quite powerful. 
but also you get quite a sense of rawness, imperfection, an overused word, authenticity. It feels very real because these cameras get you into the real heart of someone's world. Whereas sometimes with digital technology, people compose, it feels a little bit more frivolous and staged maybe. Um, I think what these cameras do is they get you really close to people um, in a way that maybe smartphones don't. So we will always start our storytelling journey with people with a disposable camera. However, it is the start point. And I think personally, the written words alongside those photos are just as important. And I think in time, as we're starting to move into audio and potentially video, which will be used in digital technologies, there's a place for all of that. From a pure photography perspective, we like starting with disposable cameras. Your second question was about what makes a good story. Ultimately, a lot of what I just said probably counts to that answer as well. So I'll semi-repeat myself, which is, I think in this case, getting access to places an outsider wouldn't have access to and getting really close to someone's own truth, I think is very, very important. And it's unfiltered. It really is them being in charge of their own story, which is actually very rare in today's world. And for that story to be coherent, <laughs> because anyone can post something on social media, but to tell a deep story in a coherent way from someone's own perspective, that takes a lot of time. Uh, and I think those are the most important ingredients in, in what makes a good story in this case. There's plenty of other ways to tell good stories, but I think that that closeness, that rawness, that unfiltered nature makes really great stories. Perfect. And every story is a great story, right? <laughs> I think so. so. Everyone has a story. Exactly. There, 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 are, there are more powerful stories than others. Yeah. There are more inspiring stories than others, but everyone has a story and has a story worth telling and their own truth. And everyone has what they want to project to the world and how they want to be seen. And I personally think that's really interesting. Even your story or my story is still interesting to hear, even if, you know, maybe to the media, we're not so interesting compared to, you know, a refugee lady who has fought through um, many battles to represent, you know, a national team, a World Cup, exactly. for example. And this is how projects like yours are so important because in the, the normal media, we don't have access to this and the visibility we want to bring to all over the world is exactly what you're doing and it's what we, we need. And uh, I have to, to say one thing that, one, one sentence that it's, uh, is in my head uh, still now, or an expression is um, the sense of imperfection, what you said, that is, is exactly what we, I think we want in this new world. Everyone is perfect. Uh, everything has to be perfect. You need to be perfect to, to reach 
um, to be a professional player, to reach a, a position, etc., etc. And actually, when you have the sense of imperfection, some sometimes is where you you can see your true self. And for me, this this was was per the perfect imperfection that we found here. Um, so, but let's get back to you here and uh, your past that is actually very well connected with your present. At least we think so. <laughs> let's see if it's true. So you studied modern history at Oxford University in 2007. Your object of studies was focused on the relationship between sports, politics and war. What you studied is absolutely ignorant in some of your gold click stories. Can you, we say that this was one of your inspirations to start the project? And how much of what you studied is still present today? And if you can, could you develop on the role of sports as a tool for peace? For sure. So first of all, just to round out the last question, being perfect is, is pretty boring. And if anyone says they're perfect, they're lying. So uh, we can just lay that, lay that to bed. Um, Yes, there is definitely a thread that runs through all of my adult life from studying history at university and specifically focusing on sport as a lens through which to see politics, society, culture throughout the 20th century. Clearly, there's a, a huge connection to what I've ended up doing and creating with Gold Click. It's no accident. <laughs> When I was about 18, 19, I had those two things quite separate. Academically, I, I loved history and I was particularly interested in military and political history. And on the outside, I loved sport and I played and captained and followed. I'd never connected the two. And it was only probably in my second or third year university that um, one of my professors said have you ever thought about connecting the two to which point I'd said no but maybe I will now <laughs> so over the next year of that I started trying to make sure that whatever I was studying I found what the sporting angle would be and ended up writing a thesis on sport in the British Army in, in the Second World War, which was amazing. And yeah, I guess it triggered in me this sense that whatever was happening in the world, whether it was in a conflict in another country or even something closer to home, it was really interesting to look at changes in society and politics through the lens of sport. And when we say sport, half the time, maybe even three quarters of the time, we mean football, because that just is. So that really set me on this path. I worked in the sports industry for about nine years after university, but always in the back of my mind was this itch to be doing something that told these kind of stories. And Long story short, in 2013, myself and a friend had this slightly crazy idea and we decided to do it and it has snowballed from there. And almost exactly the same time, I was starting to discover the world of sport for development. And for those who don't 
kind of know that term. You know, sport for development is a sector of the world where organisations, predominantly NGOs and the charitable sector, but not always, um, lots of football clubs, obviously, they use football or sport as a tool for education or conflict resolution or peace building or health. And I just got really fascinated by this world that there was a broader purpose to football and sport than just play. And I think you see that in a lot of the stories that GoldClick does. It's no accident that a lot of our best stories come from that kind of world. You know, we started with Sierra Leone, amputee football. It's not just about playing football. It's about using football as a tool to reintegrate people back into a society. We worked very early on in Iraq with an organization called Spirit of Soccer. It's not just about play. It's about educating children on the danger of landmines and explosives using football. And naturally, by telling these kind of stories, you come across really interesting characters who are using sport in interesting ways and have powerful stories to tell about how sport and football has affected them. So there's a massive connection between how I started and, and what we're doing now. And I think I do on a personal level tend to hunt down stories in parts of the world which have either a history or an ongoing conflict because I think that often people don't look to tell stories through sport in those places but I think it's super powerful to do so so for instance at the moment we're working a lot in Colombia um, with Venezuelan uh, refugees and seeing how football is a way to help rebuild people's lives or solve a crisis in Colombia is is a very interesting topic right now so yeah there is um there's a lot that football can do to not only help but also explain the world in these places you know it's, it's good that you mentioned Colombia because at the end of the day we have discussed this before which is that every story has uh, something appealing but there are stories that are more appealing than others I mean, and it depends on how you, who you are trying to approach. I mean, for example, if you're talking about Colombia and Venezuelan refugees, maybe I will felt connected to that images, to those certain images, because I live this reality here and I'm aware of what's happening. And I will try and connect this with something else, which is, for example, the idea that you had during your university years of putting together all these ingredients of sports, war, and, and peace into, a, for example, a thesis and talking about football in the Second World War. Let me, let me try and be more clear, which is that storytelling, I mean, it involves someone behind trying to organize all these ideas. I mean, this is a profession. I think this is an ability. This is an important skill from the 21st century because there are so many information out there and being able to, to create something which is appealing to many, I think that's really, really huge and really important in terms of visibility, in terms of positioning something outside, out there in this world of, of data. And I would like to ask you on that, which is, since we in total in Google's podcast we're trying to to mention to bring the issue of women in football. It's not only women's football; it's women in football. 
we're still not represented in every level. What do you think or how important it is to introduce storytelling into visibilizing the women's game and women contributing to the beautiful game? It's a huge priority for Gold Click. About two thirds of our stories come from women and girls, um, which is, I think, unusual for an organization which isn't explicitly created for that purpose, if you see what I mean. <laughs> um, I also think you raise a really good point and one that we're keen to make sure is always known is that this is, women don't just exist in women's football. <laughs> women exist equally in men's football. Um, and I think we also find that often female stories are more interesting <laughs> than male stories. So it's not just about a deliberate attempt to create visibility. They're also just generally more interesting, more compelling, and the storytellers are better because in every single country in the world, in every single society, it is harder for a female to play and to succeed on the football pitch. And that just creates more interesting stories, in our opinion. I also think there's something to be said for storytelling and football being, we would call it a bit of a Trojan horse for making people care more about specific issues. And we see this with a lot of our stories around gender equality and, and women in football and women's football. We see it a lot with refugee issues, particularly women's refugees. A lot of people in the world, they might care about these issues, but they might not prioritize caring about these issues. But if you tell a good story using football that people do care about, then almost by stealth, you draw people in to caring about something they wouldn't ordinarily care about. And so we quite like that football is an excuse almost for people to, to read about these people And then suddenly they just find themselves knowing about these issues by accident. So we think that you can be really overt with it and say, you need to care about these issues. But you can also be a bit softer by saying, well, this is a football story. But underneath it, there is a bigger, wider issue at play. Yeah, I wanted to jump. Sorry, Katia. Uh, I wanted to jump in that because I definitely think that I mean, I, I see this from a positive uh, side that we nowadays understand that, which is that we don't need to teach everyone and everything in a traditional way. We can always try and and see what's appealing to that audience and say and say to them what you're mentioning. It's like it is a football story. It's not about the Second World War II. Like everyone, I don't know, like they they tend to relate history. I love history, but I am aware that all, all the things that I recall from high school, for example, I think everyone hated that subject because it was all on books, huge books, really heavy documentaries and on black and white colors. And everyone was like, oh no, I, this is a class for me to fall asleep, for example. So I, I agree that, and we had this uh, a course with Katia during the master on history of football. And it was one of those courses that everyone wanted to just kind of like stare at this guy because he told these great stories, David Goldblatt, and you were just 
hypnotized by the guy because he was appealing to you because he told the story in a language that you understood. And yeah, because it was fun at the end of the day, because it was fun. So you ended up learning about things that maybe in another way you wouldn't have learned. I fully agree. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, all I can say is I remember when I was studying sport and how what that revealed about the nature of that conflict and everyone around me was hating their studying. And I was, oh, I get to read another book from a footballer about his experience during the war. This is brilliant. Oh my God, he was playing in matches just behind the front line in Italy. This is fascinating, you know. And that is a much better way, I think, to really engage people and bring them into understanding what was going on in a place rather than, as you say, maybe a more traditional um, way of teaching. But it's not just football. I think this is coming in with lots and lots of other areas. You know, the rise of social history is showing us that it's not all about, you know, facts, numbers, what happened, dates, events. You know, there's lots of imaginative ways you can bring a story to life. Um, and football and sport is one of them. But there are so many other ways of doing it. Exactly. It's exactly that. And uh, having what Maria said, uh, or trying to connect, is exactly that. Uh, I, I have a, a, a history, humanities background, and I never, I never saw a, a classroom so interested in one subject as, as it was with our class. Of course, I think the, the professor helped a lot or was the main star, I would say, because it's the way you tell the stories, right? It's the way you, if you are passionate or not with the subject. And of course, uh, I will leave here. Please check out David Goldblatt, everyone who is listening. Even if you don't like to read, you will you will look to the books and you will already be discouraged by by the, the amount of pages. But I promise you, I promise you will be fantastic way to understand the, the world. Um, it is something like that. It's not a football book. It's, it's a, a football and world history book. And also through GoClick is the same. You're, you're visiting the website. You can present a website about, that is about football, let's say, if you want to, to attract someone. Uh, but when they start um, reading it, they will find something behind the words that is much, much more than football. And it's important. And I think when they are connected, they will try to know even more. I will <laughs> end my conversation, but I have to leave here one, one tip that is, although we need people, um, when we t tell these stories, they want to know more. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of books, a lot of pieces, articles about it. And I'll try to connect this to the next question. That is one of things that is lacking is um, information about women's football or the past of women's football. And if we don't recognize what happened in the past, which was the prohibition of the, the game, we will never understand what is happening now and what it can be happening in the future. And we need more information about that. I know, Matt, you're a lucky one because in England you have a kind of movement that is starting and you have uh, some information, but around the world, we don't have it. Uh, and it's more, more than needed right now 
to to understand and to progress in the future i think so let's let's <laughs> let's try to end my my speech i will drop the mic <laughs> and ask you uh something that is exactly about women's football and if there's is something that we can say about goclick is that goclick is a, a women's football ally um you have a good amount of women's football stories and we know you work with fifa and uefa on this matter um these are sto uh, stories told by the players themselves with their own perspective and or vision of the game And through these stories, you're playing the visibility card in the game, uh, which is exactly one of the keys to develop uh, women's football as we know it. So we want to know uh, from your uh, perspective as a co-founder of, of Goldwick, how important are these stories to bring visibility to the women's game? I mean, the obvious answer is very. <laughs> I think that we had a real moment in 2019 for the first time it felt like there was a real audience for these kind of stories maybe not everywhere but i think in you mentioned the uk we we are there is real movement growing and um i know it's not the case everywhere around the world but the time is now and it's been the last few years that these stories have a receptive potential audience and we're going from such a low base of previous storytelling that yeah it's <laughs> it's not actually at the moment that hard to do a complete revolution in in what we're talking about because we're going from almost zero and yeah i i just hope that more countries follow the lead of the UK and the US and more media companies are created and more people are wanting to be journalists in this field and more people are wanting to create initiatives that prioritize women's stories more than they have been in the past and, and we get up to an equal telling of both men's and women's football so Yeah, I, I can I can only agree with what you said, and I, I think a few of my answers previously have have also alluded to that. But we will continue to prioritize women's stories at all levels of the game. I think that it's not just the elite that matters. I think it's also the grassroots and you know unlikely communities around the world. Whether it's work that we've done in Nepal or Pakistan with young girls football teams, whether it's uh, Syrian refugees in Jordan or Um, Afghan refugees in Europe, the, the power of showing the individual stories of these young girls and women with all the challenges that go in their way, it's pretty powerful stuff um, for anyone to, to read and, and see. So yeah, I'm always quite inspired by the courage and resilience that they show to keep playing and keep being involved despite all the many barriers, I guess, that are in their way. But let me just jump into a completely, maybe not completely, but we have discussed uh, plenty on the producing, editing part, but we haven't discussed on the audience part, the reception of the material and all the, all the photos and all the things that you do with GoldClick. And we are aware, and this is a cool fact, that is, this is not only a digital project, that you have also 
take part of um, exhibitions and you have been able to to go live with this material how how is the response to this kind of photos I mean, how has this been and where have you shown your work well i'd like to say the response has always been very good <laughs> um you're right it is predominantly a digital and social media project albeit one of the tools we use is very analog um we've also done about 11 exhibitions in nine or ten cities around the world we tend to do those at major events um the women's world cup the russian world cup the fifa club world cup in qatar in 2019 the women's champions league final these stories lend themselves quite well to physical exhibitions at those bigger events but in between those obviously the priority is around the digital and social media publication so yeah we've we've had exhibitions in in the uk in france in hungary in russia in qatar in brazil in the usa and one hopes that we'll do some more over the next couple of years during the euros and then You know, the Qatar World Cup is is looming. Um, so, yeah, it's important for us that there is physical elements and people can see and read the stories in person. But obviously the, the greatest reach for people is um, to get these stories told um, online. And we've had our projects picked up a lot by media, you know, regular media, I guess. And some of the greatest reach I think we've had is when the likes of The Guardian and the BBC and New York Times and Forbes and CNN tell these stories, particularly around the major events. So when we've done our Women's World Cup project or our refugee series with the UN, that's when we tend to get the most support from the more traditional media, um, which is a very important part of what we're trying to do, because we don't just want to talk to our small audience. We want to engage as far and wide as possible. Um, with people who love football but are curious about not just what happens on the pitch but what happens with people's lives on and off the pitch. But unfortunately we're closing this interview pretty soon but <laughs> since we are competing with really important networks like CNN and The Guardian we just wanted to have this scoop from the future of GoalClick. We really want you to <laughs> share if there are any future plans with GoalClick or with your personal life, of course, we will love to, to know that. And if specifically if there is something related to women's football. Wow, you can have the scoop then. So I think in the short term, GoalClick is looking to do lots of new projects with lots of new partners. And inevitably that will cover lot of women's football so stay tuned uh, because particularly with the women's euros coming up we want to do even bigger and better projects than we did for the women's world cup well, that will be hard to match i imagine um i think medium term we're looking at those other media formats that i alluded to earlier what will gold clicks audio and podcast Um, offering look like? What will our film offering look like? What will our spoken words and events look like if and when the world returns to that kind of event? Um, so that's, that's something that excites me personally about telling these stories in lots of different ways. And then long, long, long term, 
we're starting to look at other sports as well. So it might not just be football moving forwards, um, which is also yeah quite quite intriguing on a, on a personal level. I think that an issue that we're starting to really care about um, both and Gold Click as well is is climate, um, and uh, I'm personally about to become a trustee for a new organisation called Football for Future, uh, which David Goldblatt is going to be chair of. Um, which is looking at how football can impact upon sustainability to start with in the UK, um, as in how football can contribute to sustainability um, in the UK. But I think this is a conversation that is coming for the football industry. You know, gender is now right up on the on the <laughs> on the agenda. I think climate is is going to get there too soon, and um, that is something that hugely affects both men's and women's football. Um, so very interested to see how, how that debate develops um, in the coming months and years. So yeah, that's, um, that's probably the, the plans, but I hope that we can do some really great series over the next few months and years. Obviously the Euros are looming, the World Cup in Qatar will be a very important um, event for Goal Click. We've already told one series of stories from Qatar, looking at Qatari football culture um, in a way that nobody else has done so far. Like nobody, because no one ever asks people who are from that country what they think. Um, you know, rightly or wrongly, it it's, tends to be either criticism from the outside or defence from the inside. Why don't we ask the people who live there? So uh, that is something that we'll continue to do. We. We like going into places where there's debate and um, perhaps even misunderstanding of reality. And uh, yeah, we won't shy away from troubled parts of the world to tell stories from. You know, we're looking at Syria, we're looking at Iran, we're looking at countries where there's an entrenched view of a place. How can we offer a different perspective from the people themselves? That will always be what we prioritize. Fantastic, Matt. And exciting time ahead, uh, right? Exciting times ahead now with uh, this kind of the COVID kind of postponed everything, but everything will be together. <laughs> so we are waiting for, for the next year. Um, Matt, thank you so much for accepting our invitation and for presenting GoClick in detail to us. And uh, in conclusion here, we hear a lot of times that um, football mirrors society, uh, but sometimes we forget to discuss it or portray it. And GoClick does it better than anyone out there, especially because it does it through the power of words and, and images. And although we are in a new era, um, the old technique of writing will always be a perfect tool to describe the world. Uh, we hope GoClick can be a reference to everyone to understand the state of the world. And usually we use the sentence, if you can see it, you can be it, for girls and women to believe. Um, we use it here in <laughs> Two Girls Podcast a lot. But in this case, we can say, if you can see it, you can believe it. And sometimes we need to see what is happening in the world to believe it. And football is the perfect tool to portray the world's stories. At the end, there's something which is absolutely true. 
uh, although we may have different cultures and environments, that is something that unites us. It's the ball, it's the game, is football. So through GoClick we can confirm all of this. So Matt, thank you uh, for being here with us. It was my pleasure. And um, yeah, please, anyone who's listening, feel free to check out our stories on our website, um, goal-click.com and Instagram at GoClick. And there is plenty of female focus stories for people to read about and, and see for themselves the amazing work that's going on around the world and, and the next generation of female superstars that are being uh, born on pitches um, all over the world. So, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Fantastic. Thank you. And to all of our audience, don't forget to listen to us on podcast platforms, on YouTube, and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the name Two Goals Podcast. Thank you and take care.